We need like a cue card that slams yeah. down. Like, <laughs> welcome back to Verified Therapist. And this episode might be a train wreck. There's a 9 out of 10 chance. So we got some feedback from some lovely folks out there that are listening to us, you know, aka my brother <laughs> and, and some friends. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to fix as much as we can in this episode. Hopefully the audio sounds a little bit better today. We made some adjustments. We're still on episode three though, so there's still plenty of room for us to just screw it all up. Just, just yes. have patience. Offer us some grace right now. So, And we're also going to add timestamps. If you don't care about a topic that we're going over, we're going to put timestamps down there. So you can just skip to the next part. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to, like, keep our recaps shorter because we tend to be like, mm-hmm. this is a quick recap. And then it's not quick just because it's so easy to talk about. Yeah. It's very easy to go down the Vanderpump Taylor Swift rabbit hole. It is. So. Yeah. The last episode that we left off on, we had kind of said something about talking about the power dynamics because we were talking about One Tree Hill. But as we talked this week, I mean, we're still going to cover that. But as we talked this week... We were talking a lot about Rachel Levis's podcast. For anybody who listened last week, she's kind of known as the other woman in the Tom Sandoval, Ariana Scandoval affair situation on Vanderpump. And she's come out with the podcast. I personally was very judgmental of this podcast and started changing my tune a little bit this week. We just thought it would be great to like dive into that deeper and just even if you've not listened to that, still talk about like topics of like toxic relationships and love bombing and manipulation and all the things that kind of go into those kinds of dynamics. Yeah. I think we both changed our tune after listening to the podcast and all of the episodes this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of hearing her side of the story, which we have, we had yet to hear. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, it took her until just now to be able to, to really talk about it. Right. Which, right. I mean, good for her. She was focusing on her mental health and didn't want to dive back into this and speak on it before she was fully ready to talk about it. And I think it's really easy to see that as like skating accountability. But mm-hmm. as we will talk about today, I think it was just requiring some growth um, on her side before she fully dove in. So that's our main topic today. And do you want to go over the highs and lows for the week? You want to start off with that? I'm trying to think about, we. I've literally been thinking about my highs and lows since yesterday. My high this week is that I was off work. So I know I talked about yeah. like taking some time off. I took this week off and I was able to do a lot of some like self-care. I was able to spend some time with my friends. I was able to detach from work a little bit um get rest a little bit yeah <laughs> a little bit uh, she's gonna about- in her, her office <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about my workaholic tendencies on another episode and her um, office is 45 minutes from her house so <laughs> yeah yeah um listen I had clients that had to be seen but yeah I was able to kind of like participate in some self-care and really try to like focus on what I needed last week I know I kind of said it wasn't a great week 
but it kind of led to my mental health just not being in a really good spot. And that's just me being honest because that's what we're here to do. Yeah. Therapists are humans too. Yeah. Yeah. And Walgreens had messed up my medication. So I wasn't getting the medication amount that I needed. And so that kind of made it to where it was difficult for me to handle stressors. And so, you know, I got all the stuff back on track. I got the correct medicine this week. I had therapy. Like I said, spent some time with friends. So it was just a good, good week for me. And I kind of, I feel some refreshed going back to work. I don't know that you ever feel 100% ready to go back to work when you've been off, but I feel some refreshed. Because yeah. you're like, oh, well, that was a good week. What if I did this forever? <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. like <laughs> sitting here not doing absolutely anything. <laughs> yeah. What if I just found a sugar daddy and no sugar required? He just direct deposited into my account and I could pay my bills and just hang out. Have you seen those TikToks of those girls talking about like women's suffrage and everything? Like, I'm ready to fight you guys for getting yeah. us right to, to work. <laughs> I don't want to do the 40 hour work week. Like, I want to be at home all day. Yeah. I saw one where this guy was like, women weren't meant to work 40 hours a week. And the woman do edit it. And she was like, you tell them, King. You tell them. <laughs> And I was like, no. felt. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> well, what what is your low? My low is that I broke my selfie light. Actually, oh. right after we stopped recording last week, yeah. I got up to like rush to do something and I tripped over the cord. I didn't fall, but it just like yanked it just enough to break it. So my lighting looks different because my selfie light is supposed to be delivered today by nine. So that's my low is that the lighting looks a little bit different and I'm yeah. insecure about it, but we're. The show must go on. The show must go on, and it still looks really good. So don't concern yourself with that. I I ordered that selfie light like on Monday, and it's currently Sunday, and it's not here yet. So no, and this, this is a Jeff Bezos world. Like, dude, fix it. <laughs> you have fix enough it. money, fix it. Yeah. So what's your high and low? Tell me what your high and low is. So I think my high for the week was meeting up with you this week and getting mm -hmm. coffee and sitting there for like, how long were we at Barnes and Noble for like, for like five, five, six hours? Five hours. Yeah. So I think that was the biggest high for the week because mm -hmm. we just got to, to chit chat and talk about books and mm -hmm. trauma dump and <laughs> talk about the podcast. What we do best. Yeah. Trauma dumping is, is so good. We it's went through two drinks needed. at the Starbucks. We, had, we each did. had two drinks at the Starbucks, so. Yes, and you bought my second drink for me, which I mm -hmm. love. So, yeah. except I asked for a drizzle of chocolate <laughs> sauce, and it was, it turned into a chocolate sauce drink. So. Yeah, ma'am ma was an ocean, yeah. <laughs> when I got that thing, I was like, where's the strawberry? <laughs> there was no pink, it was all brown. That first guy that was there that literally top-notched our drinks, he had left. And yeah. whoever replaced him, I'm sorry, but maybe a barista's not her calling. That's okay. Anyways, my low for the week was that damn chocolate sauce drink. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just really tanked it. It just really tanked the week. No, um, my low for the week was I did not stay caught up on notes. And I ended up doing... 
all like 20 of my notes on like Thursday evening, Friday morning, which is not fun to do. Um, when you have all of those notes to do on top of that, I had like three treatment plans to update. I shouldn't have waited for that long. I don't know. I don't know what it was last week. I was like a, a week where I just could not focus on absolutely anything. So mm-hmm. I kept putting them off and putting them off. The next thing I know, I have 20 notes stacked up and three treatment plans and I have to do them all. That's the worst part about being a therapist mm-hmm. is paperwork. So much paperwork. It's one of the most difficult parts about it. Mm-hmm. But but I think this is this would be maybe another high to tie into it. When I was doing my notes, I noticed that I didn't have a second signature on any of my notes, which means I am fully credentialed. Yay! So I, I guess that's a high for the so. That is a high yeah, for growing if, up in the world. We are. And if you didn't know, uh, when you become a therapist, at least an LPCA, you have a supervisor that you have to do supervision with. And then most of the time, if you work for a company or work for something else, they have someone who signs off on your notes. If you do like commercial insurance. Yeah. Like you still, you're like, under supervision. Like, yeah. So like you're still a baby fetus therapist. So you need somebody yeah. who's so, like making sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. So they sign off on your notes. Um, and that's how it gets billed to, to the insurance and everything. But when you become an LPCC, you have to apply for credentialing. It's a pretty expensive process. Depending on the company that you work for, they might cover it, they might not. Um, so if you're becoming a therapist, that's an expense that you might need to save up for because it is mm-hmm. pretty expensive. But it takes a minute too for you to get fully credentialed because there's hundreds. It takes a minute. Um, I applied for it in October. And so just this week it came through. Yep. Figured out, figured out this week that I'm fully credentialed and I can sign my own notes, which also makes me like terrified. I'm just a baby. baby. (laughs) Who's letting me do this? Yeah. Me and my friend, Jamie, who is also another therapist, we were talking and um, she actually shout out to Jamie. She got a big promotion. We're excited. But we were talking about getting all of this freedom in in the the workforce and Mm -hmm. kind of being like thrown out and being like, hey, you're on your own now. Uh, And that's how I felt signing my notes. I was like, I'm on my own now. There's no one to like correct me if I did something wrong. Um, Exciting, Mm -hmm. but terrifying at the same time, Mm -hmm. because that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And, And I still don't feel like... I'm a full adult. (laughs) And when you're in grad school, like everything seems like, like when you start grad school, you think it's going to be forever until you finish. And then you get finished and you're like, hmm, that was quick. And then you get done with grad school and you're like, it's going to take me forever to get my hours and be fully licensed. And then you get to the point where you're fully licensed and you're like, how did this happen? How did I get here? Yeah, Yeah, literally. Uh, I, I remember Hannah, who was my supervisor. She made me apply you know, for full mm-hmm. licensure and everything. And we got that process and like, I got the email that I would, you know, approved and was mm-hmm. a full LPCC. It made my stomach drop. And she was like, congratulations, you're on your own. You got this. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I told, so my supervisor, Carol is like, she's been my supervisor since practicum. So what that's, how many years? That's like four years. 
every week. She's like, okay, like, it's about time to start applying for, like, full licensure. And I'm like, if you want to kick me out of your nest, just tell me. But she's like, no, like, this is what you're working towards. This is what, like, and I'm like, I don't want to go. I'm scared. No, because it's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. But one good thing is, like, Hannah in particular, I'm sure your supervisor, too. But Mm -hmm. Hannah in particular, if I need anything, Mm -hmm. I can text her. I can call her. She is the busiest human being in the world, but she will be laying on a beach in Hawaii and answer mm-hmm. my phone call. Yes. Carol is the same way. She is so. one of the most supportive people. I feel very lucky to have had her as a supervisor. So yeah, I'm sure you feel the same about Carol. Oh, 100%. I'm always, I tell people that constantly, like you get a supervisor that you don't want to let go of at the end because you trust them that much, you know? Hannah at KCA, which uh, is Kentucky Counselor Association. They have a conference every year. I presented mm-hmm. this past year. I look over while I'm presenting and Hannah has her phone and is like, oh, yeah. Smiling. Just so proud. And taking yeah. pictures. She looked like Chris Jenner, you know, just in the <laughs> corner. Just like- <laughs> You're doing great, sweetie. Yeah, but she was so supportive. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really funny at the end, the pictures that she got of me, I was very much so talking with my hands. And she yeah. said, you must have got that from me because I talk with my hands too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're going to go into the recap of episode two of Vanderpump Rules. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to listen to this, timestamp will be there to skip through this. But Skip on through. Yeah. But I think it's going to be interesting, even if you don't watch Mm -hmm. the show. It was something this week. It was something. I'm going to try my hardest not to just completely shit on Tom Sandoval, (laughs) which I think is a very easy thing to do. I just want to talk about the first moment when he walked out of his room and was walking into the kitchen. How... How do I put this nicely? Man is disheveled. He's disheveled. Like he was just trying. I think it's a show personally. Mm -hmm. I don't think anything is genuine that he does. Him slouched over and just being like, hi, Anne. Really? (laughs) And his poor, poor assistant, Anne. I feel the most sorry for Anne than I've ever felt for anybody in my life. That so, woman has to be the mediator. Yeah. Dan is Tom's assistant. And Tom and Ariana are still living in the same house. So Tom wants to buy Ariana out. Ariana says, absolutely not. I'm not selling this house. Or she says, I want to sell it, but you're not, you're not buying it. So they are both literally living in this house, two separate lives, not speaking only through Anne. Support Anne is in the middle of all of this. I mean, you're living with your ex, which is already like a sticky situation, but then you put cameras in the, in this mix too. And it's not a tiny house. It's not a small house, but it's also not like a mansion where they can each like live completely separate lives. Like you have Tom who comes down and then goes back up to his room. And then you have Ariana who comes down to the same kitchen, same living room. It's just so weird. Like, it's weird to watch. It's very much so a roommate, like, that you never want to (laughs) see. But for 
Ariana to come downstairs and had to text and be like, Tom is doing this. Like he's not in here right now. So then Ariana came downstairs for the day and then was leaving. And then Tom could come back downstairs. What are your thoughts on how the house situation is being handled? In a sense, I understand what Ariana is doing. Like you cheated on me. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't get what you want in the end. But also Mm -hmm. I think for her to fully, it's not my place to say this in a a way, but also for her Mm -hmm. to fully move on. I don't want to say let this go, but kind of, but really just to move on and better her own self. Mm -hmm. I think she just needs to throw her hands up and be like, okay, like I just want out of this house. It's not a good situation to be in, to constantly be in your home and walking on eggshells and having to text someone and be like, can I come downstairs because he's not there? Right. I mean, you have to do mental gymnastics every single day and how Mm -hmm. just looking at it from a mental health perspective, how, how much are you healing if you're still in that place? You know? Right. Right. And I don't know that you ever fully can. Here's the thing. I saw Ariana talking on a interview this week mm-hmm. and she was saying they picked cameras back up three weeks after the reunion to film the season. So in that place of her life, she is still very angry. Understandably. People are saying that Tom, Tom specifically is saying that it's very petty. I feel like that she's still in the place where she has a right to be petty yeah, about it. And so it's like, I, I am on the fence like you are about it. Where like, she, she would probably heal better and move on a lot easier if she would cut her ties on the house. But also Ariana's probably me because I'd probably be like, you're not getting what you want. You destroyed everything. So you're the one who needs to pay consequences for that. And that's where I like struggle because I'm just like, if Tom really is sorry, mm-hmm. then do something that shows that you're truly sorry. And I think one of the biggest things would be giving up that house. Yeah. And I don't know why he wants to keep it so badly. Like no. he says, because he put solar pa- panels on it. Okay. And he I, built a gym cares. in it. Yeah. Whatever. Turn that around and sell it. And He could get somewhere where he could do the same crap or have what he needs already. And so he can sit there and say that Ariana is being petty, but I think that he's being just as petty by not letting go of it either. I think honestly, both of them need to throw their hands up and walk away from it. Yeah. Just to, just to start the the healing process Mm -hmm. at least. Poor Maya. (laughs) Yeah. Their dog. (laughs) Well, I guess Ariana's dog at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Maya is in the middle of this. It was really funny to see at towards the end of the episode when Tom was having his birthday party and Maya getting like going into attack mode at anyone who knocked on the door. And as soon as they <laughs> yeah. open the door, but then when they walk through the threshold of the door, she's just like wagging her tail and like super and excited. Happy <laughs> she's probably getting it whiplash. Was, she doesn't yeah. know who we like and who we don't anymore. She doesn't know who to trust. But at least Tom is still taking care of Maya. Thank God for that. Because that would just be another notch in the belt of Tom Sandoval being not great. 
And what are we going to talk about the noise machine? Again, I say he has the same noise machine that I have in my offices and you don't have to put it on the setting where it sounds like an airplane is taking off. Yes, he has it on the white noise setting, which if you know what white noise sounds like, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was not a static. good impersonation. Yeah, it's just static. static. It's yeah. very loud and obnoxious. And he says mm-hmm. it's because... He doesn't want Ariana to overhear his conversation. Like she gives a shit. She doesn't care. So, but at that I think time he is, was still talking to Rachel. So yeah. I guess he did not want to be overheard talking to Rachel. It's in the hallway. Like outside of his door. Yeah. Bl- blasting. Which their hallway isn't that big. Ariana says, is this psychological warfare? And I think it is. I think that mm-hmm. like this is him trying to push her out of the house. Like I'm going to create mm-hmm. as much chaos as I can mm-hmm. to push you out. Because another thing he, in this episode, he decides to throw a party at the house, which is why poor Anne is communicating between them mm-hmm. at the start of this episode. She is having to say, Tom is having a birthday party. And Ariana is just like, if there's people here after midnight, I'm calling the police. And Aunt, poor Anne is like, okay. She's, <laughs> she's like, I understand. Yeah, I'll let him know. And I'm like, poor Anne. Because then but, Tom comes back and he's like, what if it's only this amount of people mm-hmm. and they're gone by this time? And so then Anne has to then text Ariana and say, well, he still wants a birthday party here, but like he wants it to be like in this way. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I would literally quit. I would be like, no, I'm not <laughs> being a mediator between these two people all day long. Yeah. She needs a raise. <laughs> I think she did quit. I heard that she quit this week. So I don't know who's the mediator now. Probably Schwartz, if we're being honest. But no, no, he's not. No. We're proud but of Schwartz this week. We are. So I, before we go to Schwartz, I want to talk about yeah. the party at oh, okay, his yeah. house. This is why I think it's psychological warfare. Because why did you have the party at your house when you didn't mm-hmm. even utilize the the best space in the house, which is your pool and outside yeah. yard area. You utilize the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Not even any living room area at all. You utilized the kitchen. That was where the party was taking place. That's why and I it, think it's it's psychological warfare because Yeah. You're not if you're gonna have a party, why would you have it in your kitchen? Have it in the yard where there's a pool. Mm-hmm. Well and then why is that your first thought to have it there in the first place? One of yes. your friends. One, by the way, mm-hmm. all these people who show up to his house, we've never heard of in our lives. Like, all we've of a sudden, of Billy- he had. We've yeah. heard of Billy Lee. Oh, have we heard of Billy Lee? She's a whole other ball game. But, so, we've not heard of any of these people. But could one of those friends not have thrown a party for you? Could you have gone to dinner somewhere? You liked being at the club the whole time you were in a relationship. Maybe go to the club. Go to the Abbey. How about that? Um, Go to Tom Tom. Go to Schwartz and Sandy's. You know, like, you own these bars. Go do it somewhere else where you're not trying to make somebody's life miserable. Yeah, so I think Ariana had every right to be like, no, I don't don't want this here. Mm -hmm. In this episode, we also see a lunch conversation with Schwartz and Sandoval. Schwartz did the complete opposite of what we have been saying Mm -hmm. that Schwartz does. He actually stood up for himself, set boundaries, 
mm-hmm. and was like, dude, just say you're fucking sorry. So proud of him. I was so proud of him in that moment. Mm-hmm. And you can see Tom Sandoval try to bulldoze over him because mm-hmm. what happens is, is Tom Schwartz starts being honest with him and is like, if you would just say sorry, you know, things might improve for you. And t- what Tom Sandoval does is he gets louder. He starts talking over him. And you see Tom Schwartz, I think for a second, kind of backpedal a little bit. But then, like, he kind of regains it and sticks his ground. Yeah. You you definitely see him try to, like, retreat in a shell of, like, okay, I'm going to let him do this. And then he was like, wait, no, no. Yeah. This is, this is affecting me. Like, it's mm-hmm. not just impacting you, Rachel, and Ariana. It's impacting mm-hmm. me now because this is our business. And our business is suffering because you're a jackass. Yeah. And you acted like that you did not care because mm-hmm. while Schwartz was there dealing with the fallout at the restaurant, Tom Sandoval and his shitty cover band was traveling around America singing to God knows who will listen. And it was if, terrible. Cover band was terrible. Yes, It was so bad. If you t- saw Tom Sandoval on tour, Godspeed to you. Yeah. <laughs> I know you suffered. I know you suffered through that. Just go look up clips of how he was acting. When you look up these clips, remember this is just very short amount of time after this whole situation went down and he thought it was a really good idea to do this. Rachel even attended like a couple of them. Yeah. And that's why that's why Tom Schwartz was so pissed about everything cuz he was like you're acting like you don't care. Mhm. This doesn't show that you're remorseful at all. So, and again, Tom Sandoval has been doubling down on the fact that he is so in love with Rachel that he can't see anything else. Mm-hmm. That's that. I think that's one of the most frustrating parts, especially, which we'll get into this in a little bit, especially after listening to everything that Rachel has said. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that he was saying to her while she was in the meadows. That's, that's probably the most disgusting part, because if you truly love someone, you're not going to say that shit to them. Right. And their safety is going to be your number one priority mm-hmm. but, but we'll talk about that soon the next conversation we can go to that tom sandoval had was with james so he invited james to his house for the birthday party james showed up and was ready to have a conversation with him but as soon as they start talking tom sandoval decides to bring up shit that happened 10 years ago mm-hmm. about Kristen. yeah yeah. And I love how the producers on the show showed the clips and was like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was the what was Vanderpump happening. Rules editors and producers are so petty. Like they are. They, they they have been the whole show. Like I remember all the times that Jax would lie and he would be like, I didn't say that. And then they would immediately clip back to him saying it um, like three weeks earlier or something like that. They just, they pull out the receipts. But anyways, um, why are you bringing up stuff that James did? First of all, when he was 23 years old, mm-hmm. 10, 10 years ago, dude, that doesn't mm-hmm. have any relevance to what's happening right now and what you just did seven months ago. It's not the and same. I, I feel like he did it in a way, too, where he was like holding his apology hostage. 
So James said, are you going to apologize for the ultimate betrayal? And Tom says, well, first, we're going to bring this shit up from 10 years ago. So it's kind of like, we're going to bring that up first, and then maybe I'll apologize to you. No, that's not how that should go. No, it's kind of like, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole of all the shit that you've done wrong to me, even though I've forgiven you for it and haven't haven't mentioned it in 10 years 10 years and and we've all moved on from it but i'm Mm -hmm. gonna bring it up just so you know that you've done me wrong too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like just say i'm sorry i fucked up for for Mm -hmm. this this situation i'm sorry that i paid for your entire coachella themed engagement to rachel and then Mm -hmm. decided to have an affair with her just a few months yeah. after you guys broke up. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. And even James, so James went into this not really having any expectations. I don't think like he was like, I'm going to have this conversation with him. And the second that Tom Sandoval even brought it up, James stands up and he's like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. That was really good on James because he, you're not going to get an apology. No one, no one is going to yeah. get an apology, like a sincere, genuine apology from Tom Sandoval. So right. for James to just be like, if you're going to bring up stuff from 10 years, then I'm out. I'm done. Right. I'm not mm-hmm. going to talk to you about this. And then he went outside and peed on their lemon tree. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him Which is, on like the after show and he was like, I hope those lemons taste good. That's such a James thing to do. Poor Allie. She was like, no, James, don't. <laughs> she said that's Ariana's bush, too. <laughs> yeah. So I know we give Sheena a lot of shit, and rightfully so. Yeah. But in this episode, I really felt for Sheena because she discussed her OCD. And she discussed the OCD surrounding, you know, her daughter and the anxiety about leaving her with strangers or people that she doesn't really trust and really just leaving her daughter in general and the anxiety that came with that. And when discussing her OCD symptoms, she was sitting there with her mom and her husband and then a person that she actually trusted to come and babysit. Mm -hmm. So I connected with her in a sense that, you know, I also have OCD And seeing her be vulnerable and talking about it. And, you know, Brock was talking about, you know, all of Sheena's what ifs. And, you know, I've, I've really felt for him in that instance of being that supportive person, because I can't imagine what Josh also goes through. Mm -hmm. uh, Thing to my what ifs, but also this, the diagnosis of OCD has kind of, given name and offered some more understanding uh, for him to be like, okay, that's what this is. So I understood when she was talking about all of the what ifs with her daughter and she was in in the the interview and and crying and everything that I really connected with her on that because Mm -hmm. it is really hard because it's, it's your mind literally beating you up mentally every single day. And hard for you to move on to the next task or do something. It, it just impacts your day to day so deeply. And I appreciate you talking about it because I know it's something that you've struggled with. I don't know if I'm, you're going to talk about it at all or not, 
But also, like, I think OCD is one of those diagnoses that people just hot button it and they throw it out there. So, you know, you'll hear somebody clean up their room a little bit and they're like, well, it's just my OCD kicking in or um, straighten something up, you know, like a picture on the wall. And they're like, well, it's my OCD. And I'm like, that's not always what it looks like for people. And a lot of times it's not what it looks like. A lot of times it's more debilitating than just being like, well, I like a clean space, so I'm going to clean this up. It's really something that, like you said, affects your day-to-day life and your ability to focus on almost anything else. Yeah, and I think until I was really educated, because while while we're in school and we're counselors, when you're in diagnosis, it's kind of like a like an overview of all the diagnosis, and you don't really go go in depth into it. Uh, but mm-hmm. when I started looking more and more into it and I actually took a CEU on it, that was when I was like, okay, these thoughts that I'm having kind of fit in this category uh, more so than what, you know, just the generalized anxiety disorder that I have. Mm-hmm. Because in my head, I was I, I was, I was doing the, the what if rabbit holes in my head. A lot of times I was doing the checking without verbalizing any of that. And I didn't really talk about it in therapy. But taking that CEU, I was like, maybe I should talk to my therapist about this. And that was when I started really talking about it and understanding it more. And also realizing that the medication that I was on for anxiety actually helps with OCD as well. Mm -hmm. And also talking about it with my therapist has alleviated a lot of this because when just in general talk therapy, when you have all these thoughts in your head and you don't talk about them out loud, they just kind of play on a loop and just keep Mm -hmm. going through until you get them out. And when you actually just express them and verbalize them to another person that's in a room where there's no judgment and they're there to help help you and support you, it feels completely different. And Mm -hmm. it has helped me so much. I don't do as much checking anymore. Uh, There are some days where like this past week, um, I think that was one of, we've talked about this, one of the biggest reasons why I was having a lot of focus issues was my my what if rabbit holes that my brain was going down mm-hmm. and checking and rechecking and all of those things was, was really impacting me. And I think that's why uh, I couldn't focus. Yeah, that's why I connect with Sheena on that level. And mm-hmm. I really feel for her in this sense. And that's the only thing I really feel for her about. So, And that's it for Sheena. And that's it for Sheena. We're not good as gold, Sheena. Do you want to go over like clowning on Taylor really quick? Yeah. Recap that. So oh. we clowned really hard <laughs> last week. So hard. So I wish I could paint. I should have painted my face as a clown today just mm-hmm. to show. Taylor did not announce reputation. Taylor's <laughs> version at the grammys but she did announce a new new album so Mm -hmm. that's gonna be really good obviously very excited for the new album so her track list also got leaked this week um and so then she consequently like released it herself and i already know that it's going to destroy me i love taylor for a lot of reasons but she is so good with her lyrics and i just already know that it's going to be such a lyrically strong album for some reason her album's written out of pain (laughs) really like hit so i think that's what this is going to be because this is following her breakup from joe her longest ever relationship 
because Joe was already talking about it and he's like, I don't mm-hmm. want to be a part of her narrative anymore. Well, okay, buddy. So what I've read was one thing someone said out there and I don't know who said it, but I thought it was really beautifully put. They got together because he didn't care that she was Taylor Swift mm-hmm. and they broke up because he didn't care that she was Taylor Swift. Yeah. So you should have expected this to come. Like, mm-hmm. what did yeah. she say a few years ago? Like, if you don't want me to write a bad song about you, then don't do bad things. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Pat Williams also said something like that and was like, if people didn't want you to talk bad about them, maybe they should have treated you better. So I, I 100% am ready for this album. I like that her little tagline for it was all is fair in love and poetry. Because yep. to me, and I think I shared something like this on Instagram, but to me that just screams like, you treated me bad and now it's fair for me to talk about it. This is how I process it, so this is what we're doing. I'm here for it. And Sorry, he Joe, because it's about to be bad. <laughs> he didn't mind when she was writing all these love songs about him and everything, so you shouldn't mind mm-hmm. when it's the complete opposite. Prepare yourself. You might get a worse worse time than Jake Gyllenhaal and John Mayer. So, Ooh, and that was rough. I mean, all too well, 10 minute version. You can't go anywhere without hearing that. I feel like all too well is so good because I feel like lyrically, but also musically, if you listen to how the music goes throughout the whole song, it takes you from the beginning to the end of a relationship in that entire story. It like musically, it starts off very like whimsical and hopeful. And then you kind of get to the part that, in her music video, she called the reeling and the, the, the music is more like heartbreaking and sad. And then you get to the end and it's more like healing and like kind of coming to terms with it. And it's like almost an acceptance. So like, I literally am like, this is an entire relationship built into 10 minutes right here. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I struggle to find other musicians and artists and maybe somebody can give me a suggestion out there because I love lyrics. Lyrics are a huge Mm -hmm. piece of it that can tell a story the way that Taylor does. Right. Going into the main topic today. So we're going to talk about Rachel goes rogue, Mm -hmm. which is the name of Rachel slash Raquel Levis's podcast. Uh, and Rachel, like we said at the beginning, was the other woman in the Scandaval situation. Mm-hmm. I will say this. I'm going to put a disclaimer out, and this goes for every podcast ever that we do. Not just this part, but I think it's important to put in this part. When we do therapy, we are considered like the experts in the room. You know? I want to make it very clear that we are not <laughs> in this and that we are just sharing our opinions that could change and that could fluctuate with like conversations that we have, the more research that we do into something and that um, we are also humans on our own journey. We are both in therapy. We're both like figuring our own stuff out. So like, You might hear things that are like different from what we said last week, or, you know, maybe we can maybe sound a little like callous towards things sometimes and then kind of come around and realize, oh, maybe I didn't see the side of it. Um, 
but we are also still learning and growing. So I just want to put that out there to kind of put that as an expectation that you'll probably hear us at times say things like, well, I felt like this, but then maybe I had some conversations, did some soul searching, and maybe I kind of feel differently about this now. Yeah, because, I mean, like she said, we're human too. Mm -hmm. Um, So our thoughts and opinions can grow the more information that we get in a situation. And in this situation in general, we did more research and we heard more of Rachel's side of things instead of just Mm -hmm. the kind of like screen grabs. We just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. And I hope we don't come off as, you know, not empathetic. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when we listen back to what we've said, um, I think it gives us a different opinion and like, maybe like, Oh, maybe we're a little harsh and a little judgmental towards mm-hmm. towards this situation. Big apology from verified therapists to Rachel Levin. Yeah. Kind of prejudging before we fully listen to the podcast and her side of mm-hmm. things, because we've heard two sides, mm-hmm. but we hadn't really listened to her side. And we're going to preface this of, the reason why this episode is called what it is my side, mm-hmm. your side and the truth. There's three sides to every story. You know, there's Tom and Ariana and Rachel's side of things. And I think somewhere in the mix of all of that is the truth. Right. Because everything is filtered through our own experiences. Um, and this is how I kind of like explain it to clients too, is like we have like this almost camera film on our brains that is like created by all these past experiences. So when we come into a situation or even when we're just observing a situation that comes through like a filter through all of our past experiences. So I think just on a personal level, that was kind of my beef with Rachel. I've experienced not too long ago, a time that I felt like a friend really betrayed me and hurt me and did not take accountability for that. And so I was kind of projecting like my thoughts of like her not being a good friend and her being hurtful. And while those things are still valid and true, it kind of caused me to not look at the Rachel side of it, which we're going to talk more about, but, um, and her experiences. Rachel has created this podcast where she's kind of talking about her side of everything that's going on and listening to it, you know, she is growing and she is changing. And I think she is becoming a lot more self-aware than what we saw when Mm -hmm. she was on the show. Rachel on her podcast, she has had a couple of different therapists on there and they've talked about what she's experienced on the show and what she's experienced, even putting out this podcast. So one thing that has been talked about a lot is Rachel either smiles in at inappropriate times, Mm -hmm. um, laughs at inappropriate times or is just kind of completely looking emotionless. And we saw that at the reunion where she looked completely emotionless. There was, there was a Mm -hmm. time that she, she got up and walked off of, of the reunion. But even then you didn't really see any kind of like emotion one way or the other. Mm hmm. One thing that she did the first couple episodes was she was talking about the affair and the whole situation. And she was, you could tell that she was smiling Mm -hmm. and kind of giggling through a lot of it. 
And then she had a therapist on one of the next episodes and talked about how that was how she coped with things. That was her trauma response to a lot of things was to just smile and try to, if she put on a smile, then she wasn't going to feel all of those deep emotions that she was actually feeling. So it's kind of a way to just like push them down and push them down uh, by putting a smile on your face and also a way to diffuse everything around you. So if you put a smile on your face, can someone really yell at you? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. it kind of makes them look like an asshole if if you're smiling and they're screaming at Mm -hmm. you. Um, So it, it was kind of a defense tactic that she, that she learned. And I also think that her, shutting down at the reunion was a way to protect herself because she knew that she was going into the lion's den. Nothing that she said, nothing that she did was going to change Ariana's reaction towards her. Yeah. She could have been the most apologetic person and crying and begging at Ariana's feet. And Ariana would have still been like, fuck you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at that point it was like self-preservation and surviving the reunion. I also think that just some background on Rachel, she did pageants and I know that that's kind of been something that's been brought up as a joke on the show, but I think that her doing the pageants and having that experience is kind of what's encouraged the um, narrative of like smiling and getting through it, pushing down whatever you're dealing with, plastering a smile on your face and almost disassociating from whatever you're feeling. If you're having a bad day, if you're having a bad, you know, time disassociating from that and like doing what needs to be done to get this pageant taken care of or to get through the situation with Tom and Ari. Yeah. The smile was her, her protection uh, from everything. That was what she talked about with the therapist on there of like, I'm going to try my hardest to, to notice when I'm smiling in this uncomfortable thing and, fight it off and Mm -hmm. you hear her even though this podcast has just been going on for what like a month now Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you hear the change that she has made in that because when she's talking about these more difficult things by chapter eight she isn't really smiling and laughing as much as she was in episode one she's kind of taking it more like almost like she's really taking it in more like Mm -hmm. what the what her guests are saying, what these therapists and these experts are telling her. I felt like I can hear her kind of processing and trying to learn from, from it. Yeah. She's unlearning these behaviors that at one time her, her brain created to protect her, but now Mm -hmm. it's, it's not protecting her anymore. It's harming her. So Mm -hmm. she's trying to unlearn these behaviors. You know, we talked, we've talked a lot about her most recent episode. I think it was really interesting to hear her side of the love bombing. I also thought it was really interesting because the person that she had on there talked about how this concept of love bombing was derived from like, we would see it in like cult like Mm -hmm. situations or were like religious, like really strong religious organizations that would use this tactic to get people in, make them feel like they were connected and belonged, but then eventually use as a control tactic. And I think that that's what Tom did to her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sucked her in and then 
got her to a place to where it was control at that point. And I mean, we see this a lot with narcissists in general of they prey on the vulnerable. So a lot mm-hmm. of times when someone goes through a really traumatic breakup, for example, that's exactly what happened with Rachel. She went through a very traumatic breakup and mm-hmm. Tom saw that vulnerability and hopped on it and took advantage mm-hmm. of that. And Rachel was at a time where she just wanted support and she wasn't getting support from anyone. And mm-hmm. she said this, you know, in a couple episodes of she felt so alone and she did not feel safe. And when she broke down in season 10 in the car after, you know, sharing a lot of deep things that happened in her relationship with James, with those girls, she did not feel safe mm-hmm. talking to them. She didn't feel like it wasn't going to be used as like another plot line or anything. Mm-hmm. So she just wanted, she wanted out of that situation. And that's why she had a panic attack in the back of the car. And I think having mm-hmm. more context to that, you know, offered me a lot more empathy in that because I was kind of, when I watched that, you know, obviously we had known about the affair by the time that I had watched that episode in particular. And I was just like, Oh, this, this girl's just feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. This girl is just doing this to put on a show. Um, but kind of listening to, I have a completely different, different view on, mm-hmm. on, on that. Well, and just hearing how Tom continued to talk to her when, mm-hmm. so for anyone who needs context on this, the affair broke at the end of the season. They did the um, reunion and that was the first time that any of them had really like sat in the room together. So obviously this reunion was very explosive. Almost immediately after the reunion, uh, Rachel known as Raquel back then um, went into an inpatient trauma treatment center. I think, was it in Arizona? It was, yeah, yeah it was yeah. like in a different state. So um, she was there for a while because, and she said in, the, in the, her recent podcast, she did not feel safe, to, like, by herself with all that yeah. was going on. Like, she thought that she might do something to harm herself. So, that's where she felt like that she needed to be, to be safe. And Tom was still being controlling and manipulative to her when she was in that space. And I almost argue that that's more, like, that's probably the most vulnerable in her life after she's had this affair happen, she's mental health wise in a very low spot and she's trying to work on that and get help. And for him to say things like you left me out here to just deal with it, um, deal with the fallout on my own, still sending her gifts um, to help them feel connected and doing these things that really was again, taking advantage of her in a very vulnerable spot. Because he was sending her all these gifts. And there was one thing that she talked about is like he sent her all of these gifts to stay connected. Like there was a lamp that was connected by, you know, Bluetooth or whatever. And, you know, when one person turned it on, the the other person's like it would light up too. So it, it was a way for them to stay connected. But in that box of these gifts that he had sent, he also wrote her a letter calling her selfish that she was Mm -hmm. in this inpatient facility. Mm -hmm. So there was like this, like she was getting two different sides of things. Like she was like, I'm trying to heal. I'm trying to stay here and do better. And Oh, he's sending me gifts. Like, so he must Mm -hmm. be really supportive. But then you open the letter 
And instead of hearing the support, you hear what a shitty person you are. Mm -hmm. And what that does to your brain, like to get those kinds of messages from someone that you feel that you love more than anything in the world. Um, And I say feel that you love because I don't think that that's real love. But in the moment, that's how you feel. Like she, you could tell and you could hear it that she felt that that was her only person in the world. And like she said, she had a lot of thoughts of like, what if I don't ever find somebody who loves me ever again? Like, what if I never experience this again? And that's how those tactics and those manipulation techniques, that's how they get people because it is so natural for us to want connection and belonging and feel close and intimate with other people. That's a natural thing. So those tactics and those techniques kind of come in and infiltrate and prey on those natural desires for those things. Yeah. And I think it shows the, the insecurity of Tom Sandoval too, of like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm good enough to get a person who is like mentally stable and mentally Mm -hmm. like, okay. Um, So I'm going to go out and find someone that I can overpower and control. Mm -hmm. It all comes back. And I, I think this a lot in practice as well. So many things come back to trauma and how our needs are met as kids. Like, yeah. So many of our adult relationships can be tied back to those things, that that desire and that search for validation. One quote that I've read is like, if you're not handed love on a silver spoon, then you'll be looking it off of knives. So like, yeah. So like, if you're not given that and those emotional needs aren't met, someone might look for that in very unhealthy ways and very unhealthy relationships. Yeah. And that's exactly what you see Rachel doing. Um, Mm -hmm. because her and James's relationship was not healthy either. Mm -hmm. It it -hmm. was very toxic. And that was also fueled by a lot of alcohol too. Mm -hmm. But then she also said on the other hand, even when he was sober, he was still acting this way. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about the ingredients. So one, one thing that the therapist that she had on talked about was, there aren't bad ingredients, but when you put certain ingredients together, they're explosive. So mm-hmm. like baking soda and vinegar, you put those mm-hmm. together, it explodes. But mm-hmm. then you put vinegar and oil together and it becomes a salad dressing. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you put baking soda with flour and sugar and all this stuff and you can, you know, bake cookies. So these these ingredients themselves are not bad, but put together, they're bad. And I think a lot of that relationship, all the relationships that we've seen Tom Mm -hmm. and James have, Mm -hmm. have been very explosive. So maybe they're not bad people or bad ingredients, Mm -hmm. but the people that they are mixing with, are not good for them. I think it goes back to, to Tom's lack of self-awareness. We saw an article this week of him calling his new girlfriend of a week, his new addiction. Yeah. That's love bombing. That's unhealthy. And again, that's him putting his ingredients 
with someone who there's a strong possibility that's going to explode because he's already kind of doing the same thing with that person. What we've heard from kind of like from a psychological standpoint of when you get into a new relationship, there is this immediate high that you get of, uh, they, they say it's very like your brain waves and the endorphins send off the same mm-hmm. amount of endorphins as when you snort cocaine. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing of, of what falling in love per se feels like. Mm-hmm. Like it's the mm-hmm. same amount of endorphins. I think Tom is addicted to that, that feeling mm-hmm. of, of falling in love. I don't want to call him an addict. No, but that's what I think he could be because yeah. we see love and sex addicts and that's what it is. It's the reward center of your brain yeah. going off. I've said the same thing to my therapist about situations that I've been in and I'm like, I just really want some dopamine. I really want dopamine fixed from this. You know, I, my family has a history of addiction and uh, my brain is like predisposition to that. And I recognize that in myself of like, I can relate to Tom on that, that I kind of would chase that feeling of like that high that you get from it. Cause it is a high, you know, it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've all felt it. Like if we've all been mm-hmm. in a new relationship, we've all felt those, those endorphins and we're like, heck yeah, this is the best thing mm-hmm. ever. But to build a sturdy foundation for a relationship that needs to last, it can't just be based on those big feelings. You know, you have to have the same values, same morals, all of these things mm-hmm. have to, to align with this person or it's not going to work out. And that's why when I work with clients who have just been through a bad relationship or are even struggling to get in relationships, we go through this piece that I have of different values and what is Mm -hmm. most important to them. You know, there's Mm -hmm. over a hundred values on this little worksheet and we put them together of like, what is most important to you, least important to you. And Mm -hmm. we have it on a scale. And then out of those most important to you, what are the 10 most important to you? And then we break it down even more Mm -hmm. of like, what are the five most important to you? And then we go into not just you, but in another person. So out out of those values, Mm -hmm. what do you want from your partner or Mm -hmm. even a friend? Yeah. And I think that that's something that we see, like when we watch Tom and I could be wrong, Tom and Rachel could have had these, conversations of what their life looks like beyond this whole thing. I could be wrong when I say this, but it does not look like that they have that conversation or that connection. It looks like this is a hot and heavy thing that feels fun because it's deceptive. Yeah. That's, and that's just as a viewer, what it looks like. Again, we don't know what happened behind closed doors, but I don't think just based off what we've seen that there was any thought of what happens when this all blows up, how like Tom said to her, I want to give this relation or he at least said it on the show. I want to give our relationship a chance and I'm in love, but I don't, I don't know that he knows what that looks like. Yeah. I don't know if he knows what a relationship with her would look like because I don't think that he knows those things about her. No, I don't even think he knows those things about himself. I don't right. think he, he even knows what he values most in this world mm-hmm. um, because he hasn't, we haven't really seen him ever turn inward and look at himself as the problem mm-hmm. because 
another thing that Rachel talks about on the podcast is he was talking to her like, when I break up with Ariana, you're going to still be on the show and they're going to turn on Ariana and they're going to be your new cheerleaders just like they did with Kristen. Because Mm -hmm. for those of you who haven't seen the show of Tom and Kristen were together for six years, Mm -hmm. Kristen Doty. And he cheated on Kristen Doty with Ariana, allegedly. Mm-hmm. But they did make out at the Golden Nugget. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that place. She was like, that is so low. <laughs> he was like, wow, um, I fucking love that place. But he cheated on Kristen with Ariana. And then you kind of see the world turn, or the viewership of Vanderpump turn on Kristen Mm-hmm. And love Ariana mm-hmm. very quickly. Even though she was the other woman coming into the situation, they chose to 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 support her. Back her. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, I got away with this once. I can get away with it again. Mm-hmm. And that's how mm-hmm. he presented it to Rachel. And she was in mm-hmm. this like, oh, oh okay. He's going to protect me in this. He's going to to be the person that I can go to for all of this, <laughs> even if I get hate. And when you're in that kind of toxic, like, relationship, it's kind of Stockholm-y in that, like, the person that, and they talk about this in, like, the cycle of abuse and abusive relationships, but the person who's hurting you, you think is the person who's going to protect you. Mm-hmm. So you almost lean into that more. I'm trying to think about how Rachel said it um, in her podcast. Oh, she was talking about the frog and boiling water analogy about how it gradually happens. A frog's not going to immediately get out because it doesn't realize it's boiling mm-hmm. because it's been so gradual that it doesn't notice and it will sit in there and it will die. It will let the water kill it before it jumps out. Just that slow gradual buildup of a toxic relationship because when it starts off with love bombing, you don't see it. Mm hmm. You're just like, oh, this person's bringing me flowers. Oh, this person's sending me gifts. Oh, this person is saying that they're going to be there for me. They're going to be my protector. Mm-hmm. But their actions don't always line up with mm-hmm. with what they promise. Well, and saying things like, I love you. I'm going to marry mm-hmm. you. I'm going to have this future with you. When you've known that person for a week or you've only been romantically involved for a week. Like, that's love bombing. You know, that's building up this fantasy and this future and sending, setting off those endorphins. Um, if that's what, you know, you want, it's kind of leading you down this path that's not really, it's not stable, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's not a good foundation to build your relationship on. Mm-hmm. Rachel also talks about closure too and mm-hmm. how. At first, she kind of wanted closure with Tom, uh, but now she's kind of at the point where she's like, "No, I don't. I don't want to," because if she reaches out to him to be like, "Hey, we need to have a conversation," that's opening a door for him to come mm-hmm. back into her life. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just a crack, it's still a way for 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 her to let him back in at least a little bit and mm-hmm. making that connection and that that therapist said, you know, why would you want to pretty much talk to a person that has caused you like the biggest injury of your life? Why would you want to allow them back into your life to just injure you again? 
Yeah. Because you don't know how that closure is going to go. Mm-hmm. Well, and as someone who can very much relate to that, there's going to be a part of her that still would want to hear him out mm-hmm. or that would sit and listen to what he had to say. And one last conversation, like you said, just opens that door and provides more of an opportunity for him to come in and manipulate the situation and the conversation. A lot of times closure is on the person. Like we hear closure a lot in these relationships of like, well, I just needed closure. So I reached out to them and maybe there's some truth to that for some people, but also it's okay to just fucking block them and walk away. Yeah. That's just as much closure and everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If someone has, you know, done you so wrong um, Mm -hmm. and you block them and then they're like, why did they block me? You know what you did. Mm -hmm. You know, I have in my personal life, you know, I've done that a couple of times. You know, you Mm -hmm. you said that you've done that too. And I actually had a person reach out after I blocked them, reach out to my best friend and be like, hey, why did Kate block me? You know what you did Mm -hmm. to get to this Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. For For me to say, I don't even want to talk to you ever again. You hurt me so bad. There's nothing that you can say that's going to, to rectify this situation. And you know what? I don't need, as Taylor Swift said, I don't need your closure. I don't. Yep. I agree. You don't. And what, and what it is, is that you find closure in yourself. You find closure in letting go of that relationship. Sometimes it's like you're, I'm just full of like imagery today, but it's like Mm -hmm. if you're driving down the road and you're holding on to a car from the back and you're getting dragged along the road, Mm -hmm. there's almost more closure and letting go of that rope. And then like letting yourself heal from that than continuing to hold on to this car that's dragging you. Because it's just going to keep hurting you even more than Mm -hmm. if you just like let go and then Mm -hmm. started the healing process right then and there when you let go. Mm -hmm. And I love this because I've had clients do this so many times of writing a letter to that person that they want Mm -hmm. some kind of closure from writing a letter to them with zero intentions of giving it to them. So you don't hold Mm -hmm. back when you have zero intentions of giving it to this person and then they burn it. Yeah. Burn that shit. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that is the best thing. My, um, me and my sister-in-law, Back in like 2011, I think, did that after a breakup that I had. I didn't even know it was a therapeutic thing because I was a little 15-year-old. Little baby, yeah. <laughs> little baby. She was like, write a letter and then we'll burn it outside. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what I did. And I felt so much better after that. That's kind of how you have to get closure sometimes is it, mm-hmm. it's really for you, not mm-hmm. the other person. Right. And it's okay. Like, I, when I... You know, I heard Rachel's podcast and she was like, I felt like that I should explain to him. I felt like that I should reach out and just kind of explain. No, it's okay. You you don't always have to explain. Actually, you don't ever have to explain if you don't want to, but you don't have to explain to someone why they're being harmful to you. You don't have to. Also, what he said to the therapist, some people are going to see you as this frozen in time image. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing you can do that they're ever going to not see you from that. And that's their problem. If Mm -hmm. they don't want to see like the, the growth and change, 
then that's, that's their own problem. And you don't have to explain that you've done all this work and you've, you're doing better and you're not Mm -hmm. reacting the same way as you did then. Mm -hmm. Because her worst moments were televised. What made me step into like the more empathetic. We don't know these people Mm -hmm. at all. We see what we see from the television series of what the producers show us. Mm -hmm. And the producers can manipulate very easily because they have Mm -hmm. a job to do and their job is to make good television. And this Mm -hmm. show is very good television, but there's also characters that they build. I mean, there has to be different drama throughout. Like someone has to be the villain this season. It's Tom Sandoval Mm -hmm. and the victim this season is very much so Ariana. Mm hmm. Yeah. So there's these different roles that each character has to play. That's what they were showing Rachel for the, all mm-hmm. the seasons before was these different characters. Um, and, and then they also showed some of her worst moments. And I think when you have your worst moments publicly televised for the world to see and the world to judge, that mm-hmm. is so difficult because then how are you supposed to change and grow from that when you walk down the road and people still see this character that they saw on TV of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you are, you know, this mistress. That's going to be your title title forever because that's what we saw you as on TV. But it's like, well, I'm actually not that person. That was kind of, that was a part of me. Yes. That's what I did. Yes. But that's not who I am. And that didn't align with my morals, but no one Mm -hmm. else is going to see that. Like they're still just going to see this, this one, you know, go back to the frozen in time image of you. Yeah. That's why I think like in media cancel culture can be so harmful Mm -hmm. because it doesn't. Can you hear Banks? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's just here for his like regular appearance. He's Go not allowed in here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> no, he just has to go shit. So <laughs> his litter box um, is in here. <laughs> but cancel culture is so quick to tear people down and to be like, this is what you did wrong. But there's hardly any room for like redemption from that. Um, yeah. TikTok, the media, paparazzi, gossip sites. They don't care about how this person, like, works on improving themselves to become better people. They just care about getting the story about how they screwed up. So, once you've screwed up and you've hit that rock bottom, they're done with you. And you're spit out. Um, And it's dangerous because I can't imagine, like you said, my worst moments playing out for millions of people. So, I don't know. To be judged. And I think, too, because I know that... We harped a lot on the idea of accountability for a second. Yeah. I don't take that back because I still think that there's a lot of room that Rachel has in taking accountability. I think that there's, she still has a lot of room to grow on that. I don't think that we have seen the accountability that it would take to even start that road back. But I see her doing more than Tom Sandoval. Yeah. To try to get there. Um, So did she come out swinging with an I'm sorry and no, should she have? Yes. 
but I think that she's on her way there. Yeah, I do. I do too. And I think this podcast is really humanizing her too. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that she should have gone back on the show. Now I'm changing my tune. I, Mm -hmm. I don't think that she was ready for that. I think she would have been again, like the reunion walking into the lion's den and she would have gotten ate up and spit out so quick. And Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been good for her mental health. I think she would Mm -hmm. have honest. She probably would have gone back to Tom Sandoval because that was the only person that would have been there for her. Um, But even then that's still a manipulation tactic um, because he's the reason why she's isolated. I don't, I just don't, I don't think it would have been good for her at all. I think that's Mm -hmm. why, and maybe if they had picked up filming now, Mm -hmm. it it would be a little bit different, but just allowing her even more time to separate herself from that situation. Because sometimes that's what you need for, for you to, to even see the wrong in a situation. You need time apart from it and really, Mm -hmm do some work and you don't need to immediately jump back into it. And they immediately jump back into it. And you see that with all these fresh emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think too, um, Binks is here. Say hi, Binks. Want to say hi? Say hi. Speak your truth. Speak your truth, bub. What do you think about Rachel? What do you think about Rachel? His glare says it all. <laughs> he is always glaring. So I think now he wants out. Hold on. He just he okay. really just wanted to take a shit and yeah. that's it. And dip. You, you want to try places? Come on, Right. Everybody meet Jiggy Vanderpump. Now Jiggy's here. His Jiggy. full name, his full government name is Jigolo Vanderpump. <laughs> the sex monster has <laughs> the a The <ride>. sex monster. <laughs> you okay, bud? Okay. He, he is not big on being held. So, except Josh, <laughs> he actually loves being held by Josh, which is weird. So, he's got away with him. Connected. Yeah, they are connected. So, anyways, back into it. <laughs> <laughs> I also think producers, no shade to the producers, because like you said, they have a job to do. But I think that they would have also forced a lot of, like, even if Rachel went on and said, okay, I'm not going to have contact with Tom, they would have forced them to just to have the content. Yeah, they would have forced her to have a conversation with Ariana and two. And I, I, mm-hmm. I wonder how that would go. Honestly, I wonder now how the conversation with Ariana would go. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, before it was kind of a few months after. Now we're a year after everything happened. Mm-hmm. I wonder how this conversation would go. Right. If it would be any different. Like, yeah. if Ariana would be more understanding, maybe. Or, mm-hmm. understanding's a stretch. If Ariana would have more empathy. I don't know if she'll ever... I don't think she'll ever be friends with Rachel. Um, but I think maybe just giving her the opportunity to talk mm-hmm. would happen now. Whereas before, if she was put in a room with Rachel, I think those producers would have had to drag Ariana out of there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I don't think she would have held back. Oh no, she it would have been bad, and it was bad at the reunion. Verbally, it was bad. Verbally, it was really, really bad. And it wasn't just 
Oriana that was giving it to Rachel. It was everybody. Everybody was going in on her. Mm-hmm. Lala mm-hmm. screamed at her. James was, I want to I mean, he was a little passive aggressive towards her. He mm-hmm. was more aggressive towards Tom, but he was very right. passive aggressive towards Rachel. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Katie let her have it a couple of times. And then Ariana mm-hmm. really let her have it. Like mm-hmm. for those of you who didn't watch the reunion, she said, what did she say? I hope you like go fuck yourself with a cheese grater. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah. She did say that. She was like, and I then, wish you nothing but the worst. Yeah. And then she, I won't ever forget. Cause I just felt like it hit and it's not even like that intense or anything, but she said, you're rotten. Like a moldy piece of fruit down to your core. You're rotten. And you could just see like the disgust on Ariana's face. I think a lot of that anger was directed at Rachel and should have been directed at Tom. But also, if you've ever been in Ariana's position, then you know Mm -hmm. how much you can't see anything but your anger. Mm -hmm. And you see Mm -hmm. red in those situations. And like, yes... Tom betrayed her. She really let him have it too. But also this other person that was betraying you and was lying to your face for months Mm -hmm. on end and talking to you about your sex life with your boyfriend. Uh, Because that's exactly what Rachel did. Rachel was, was asking Ariana about her sex life with Tom while she Mm -hmm. was actively sleeping with Tom. Yeah. Uh, It was really kind of like icky, Mm-hmm. things happening mm-hmm. and of course you're gonna see red in those situations and you're going to say anything that pops up um in mm-hmm. your mind and that's i mean that's what ariana did she really let her have it mm-hmm. and rachel talks about that too on the podcast about they were like when you were talking to ariana about her sex life with tom where did that come from why would you ask that mm-hmm. that's horrible and she was like yes it makes me cringe looking back she was like the lightning um she bought a lightning necklace which was like her and tom's thing it's really weird uh Mm because that was a (laughs) storyline on the show Um, it was yeah and then she was talking to ariana about her sex life with tom she was like i am disgusted with myself that i did that but also she mm-hmm. was trying to figure out because she was getting one story from Tom and she was trying to figure out Ariana's side. I think she was mm-hmm. just trying in her mind to try to piece it together, but it was a really disgusting way to do it. And she was like, I shouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. So, which is something that we've never seen Tom do. Tom's never been like, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> right. Right. Tom's been like, well, you did this to me. So it was okay for me to do that to you. Yeah. He's never been like, ooh, I just cringed at my behavior. No, yeah. he doesn't cringe no. at anything he does. <laughs> He's probably like, his cover, oh my God. His cover band is evidence of that. Yes. YouTube, Tom Sandoval, the most extras, covering Stacy's mom. And you'll be done. That's, that's, that's going to tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. And also realize that this was right after everything happened. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Uh, also look up Tom Sandoval getting carried by Jojo Siwa. When he will in that, uh, what, did, what was that show called? He was on that show where all these reality stars went to New Zealand and had to do like these military grade things and see if they can make it. And did Nick Vile not, and him get along on that show because... There, there's no way they could have gotten along. They did. I think they, they did. Um, because that, that's where Nick said that in that, like he understood Tom more because they were on that mountain together. And gotcha. Yeah. So I don't, I didn't watch the show, so I don't know exactly if they got along or not. But mm-hmm. I just know that Nick got to know him while mm-hmm. they were, they were on that mountain together. Gotcha. Because Tom Sandoval just sounded like he came in with beef to his podcast. So I was like, he it came in with a vengeance. He was ready to mm-hmm. to fight. Do you have anything else you want to say about Rachel? No. Also, I just want to say she looked really good at New York Fashion Week. So yeah, she did. She still looks like a bambi eyed bitch, but that's just because she has that, <laughs> she has that like, and that's not insulting. Lala said it insulting. I'm saying it because she has these like doe eyes. Yeah. My mascara anyway. that I'm wearing is called Bambi Bambi Eyes. Bambi Eyes. I thought every you time. Bambi Eyes bitch right now. <laughs> Run and tell that. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys will give us a little grace for, you know, learning and growing along with Rachel too. Um, mm-hmm. We're so, all learning and growing together. Yeah. And just because we're therapists, like Autumn said at the beginning, we're not always the the experts. So No, we are very much not. Sometimes I'm still like, I'm a fetus therapist because I don't know what I'm doing half the time. Um, so we're just people, you know. So we've reached the end of episode three. Yes. And <laughs> please send us all of your feedback. We have instagram if you want to follow us on there and just Mm -hmm. send us a message with your your feedback um we also have a tiktok as well follow us yeah so let's go into our intentions for the week you want to go first i can so before we even got started if people don't know this about you they're about to know this about you kate drinks a lot of water like all the time she drinks a lot of water look at her hydro jug Shout out to my friend, Brittany, who got me this for uh, being in her wedding party. This was like her her gift to her bridesmaids. That's a perfect gift. So I'm now inspired to drink more. I suck at drinking water. Like, I suck at drinking anything. If I'm not eating, I'm not paying attention. I don't really get thirsty, except if it's like 2 o'clock in the morning and I've woken up and I feel like I've not drank anything. <laughs> For two days. Then you're just chugging water. (laughs) Yeah. So my intention this week is going to be to drink more water, be more hydrated because it helps with everything in life, mental health, Mm -hmm. physical health, all of it. So that's my intention. That's a good one. Well, my intention for the week is to do my notes on Tom since that was a low for for this week. I need to do my notes on Tom because I work in private practice. So Mm -hmm. when insurance pays... I get paid and Mm -hmm. insurance sometimes takes a week to pay out or four weeks or six weeks. Um, So Mm -hmm. I need money Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I shouldn't delay doing my notes until Friday, Thursday or Friday. 
It also causes me a lot of anxiety at the end of the week when I have 20 notes on the list. Right. Mm, makes me anxious just thinking about that. Yeah, it's not fun. So those are good intentions, I think. Hopefully there'll be some good content, Taylor content, tonight at the Super Bowl. I heard through the grapevine that she is at the game, or she will be at the game. Um, she's yeah. in Las Vegas. So so she'll be there. I can't wait she to see her. She'll be there. Yeah. Travis rented out a got a suite for his family and her. So I heard he spent a pretty penny for it, too. Yeah, I heard it was over a million dollars. Yeah. Which is insane. That is insane that they have to put it up. But anyways, well, those are our intentions for the week. So follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok. Let us know what you want to hear or see. And we can't wait to hear from you guys. Yeah, we will be back with another episode next week. And Mm -hmm. have a good week, okay? Yeah. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.